Welcome to In the Isles, the movie and TV podcast that often doesn't have a clue, but if you do listen, please leave a review. I'm James. I'm Dan. More of a plea than a riddle, but... (laughs) (laughs) This week, we're going to talk about what we've been watching. We've got some real news, and our main review, at last, is The Batman. James, I've missed you, James. I'm not expecting it back, don't worry. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, we've been off the air for a good few weeks now, which is uh, a first. So I hope we can come back with a bang. Um, I guess it remains to be seen slash heard. But how have you been? It's been a while. Are you all right? I've uh, been all right. But despite the long break, we've done nothing. Nothing's no, happened. I've actually watched less despite having more time. What I'm reviewing this week, I've only consumed in the last two days. I have nothing yeah. else to speak of. I've not watched much either. I thought it would be a chance to consume lots of new content, but that's just not happened. No. no. Seen things and thought, I'm not going to bother. Vikings, Valhalla, not going to bother, whatever. But we're still presenting worthy of your time content, I've no doubt. Don't let that sour your opinion of what you're about to hear. Yes. Anything new in your life to speak of, even though you've not done anything? No, nothing, nothing, nothing. What about you? Well, I'm unemployed, technically, so um, that's new and not really to my missus's liking. I basically have decided to give myself two weeks of unemployment because I said I wanted to know what it felt like um, before I start a new job. And then I only realised that you don't get paid for those two weeks of unemployment. So, yeah, that's new and, uh, yeah, not going down well for the missus, but that's, that's all there is to speak of. Okay. We'll get to it, James. It's been a while, but what have you been watching? I've been watching Picard season two on Amazon Prime. Do I remember you not liking the first series very much? That's right, yes. Okay. That's correct. So I did stop watching Picard season one halfway through. Didn't like it. It was a terrible nightmare, miserable presentation of the Star Trek world. And it was a mystery plot uh, that was too slow. It didn't go anywhere. Everything was miserable and depressing, and I stopped watching it. And I just read about what happened and caught a little bit of the last episode. But I couldn't resist watching season two for some reason. I wanted to know if it would still be bad. And shockingly, it's not bad. It's good and entertaining and fun and not a miserable nightmare. And the story is that Picard is transported into an alternate reality where a horrible regime rules the Federation and they're basically fascists. And Picard and his group of characters from season one travel back in time to fix the present. They travel back to 224. That's not right. They travel back to 2024, which saves them a lot on budget because they can just shoot outside in LA. Um Sure, that had nothing to do with the reason to go back in time. So it's a lot. It's like Star Trek for the Voyage Home, the film that's regarded as the best Star Trek film, and they even reference Star Trek: The Voyage Home when they're talking about how they control back in time. And Picard basically says, "Let's do what Captain Kirk did in Star Trek: The Voyage Home. That'll work." And I think, despite the generous responses from some critics, season one, I think the producers knew season one wasn't good, and they fixed what a lot of what was wrong season two is a more straightforward adventure picard is more competent and people respect him 
and his supporting young characters, they're not all annoying and edgy and over-emotional, but they do shout a lot. But nothing will ever be as good as TNG or DS9, but as modern Star Trek goes, it's not bad. Okay, and how can we watch that? You can watch it on Amazon Prime, episode released every Friday. Right. He's getting on a bit now, isn't he? Is he in his 80s yet? Yeah, he is getting on a bit. I mean, all respect to Patrick Stewart, he does look and sound old. Even look it, because last time I remember seeing him, he still had quite a smooth complexion. Smooth head. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, but also, you know, there weren't the wrinkles in his face. I wouldn't say he was pushing 80, but he looks it now, does he? Yeah, he, he looks it and, and sounds it. There's no getting away from it, unfortunately. He's still a good actor, but, you know, saying Lord of the Rings... How like Ian McKellen's pretty old in, in that. Yeah. But he's not old, old. Mm. But in this in, in this Patrick Stewart, he, he is a, an old man. Do you think that in future seasons they'll try and kind of explain away the fact that he's in a wheelchair by doing some sort of crossover with X-Men, maybe? Or he's like a, an amalgamation of characters? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Time will tell. Anyway, so Picard, okay. I'll never watch that. I'm not into Star Trek, but I'm in the minority. So what else have you been watching? Staying on Amazon Prime, last one, Laughing Canada. <laughs> okay. Just, <laughs> just to make sure we're going as obscure as possible, which I think this has a few hundred reviews on, on IMDb. And I'd, you might remember that I watched uh, Last One Laughing Australia as well. And I yes. watched the... Japanese original documental, which is where this format started. Amazon really wants this format to catch on. And it, it's uh, comedians going into a room for six hours and they try to make each other laugh. And if you laugh, you lose. You must leave and go somewhere else. They've done Australia, it's Italy, Germany, some other countries. I don't know why Amazon I keep trying to push this. I think they're building up to do an American version with people that you actually recognize however in the canadian version this does have two people that you'll recognize one of the guys from whose line is it anyway and tom green tom green of freddy got fingered fair that's right yes oh i thought his career was over i needed to watch something that was truly turn your brain off relax there's nothing to it and this delivered not because it's very funny though because it's not funny but it's good so the 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 post who is, appears in some James Franco films. I can't remember his name. Jay. You'll recognise him. You see him. The host keeps describing these comedians as legends, giants, heroes of comedy. But in this edited down six hours, they all really struggle to be funny. And that's funny to watch for me. Because the, the point is that they're not laughing at each other, but it's also just not funny either. Mm. And I'm certain that Dave Foley, I don't know who Dave Foley is, don't worry, but this guy called Dave Foley, I'm certain he does not want to be there because he makes no effort and I think he laughs intentionally so that he can sit down. Once you get knocked out, you join the host in this back room where you can watch what's happening and laugh. And there's a moment where Dave Foley is wandering around in the background examining the set because he's so bored that he's not doing a bit he's actually just walking around in the background looking at the where the set's been constructed. <laughs> Tom Green says it. Tom Green is actually funny in this. And you can kind of see why he's the most famous one and once successful one. 
if you want something that's very light, very light, I would recommend watching this. Background tea time content. Yeah. Be reviewer number 112 on IMDb. Yeah. Go and do it. Okay. Fair enough. Anything else? Or have you no, really that's... scraped the barrel? I've really, I've really scraped the barrel. Uh, in three weeks, why have I watched last one laughing Canada? I don't know why, <laughs> but <laughs> it's six episodes, 30 minutes each. I wonder if it'd be quite a useful experiment to put the show on and the new premise be, if you laugh at the program, you lose. But the fact that no one will ever lose because it's just not funny. That might yeah. be an interesting concept. Right. I think I might just have to give one episode a go. You've intrigued me there. What have you been watching? First one I'm going to kind of gloss over because I just don't think it's worth your time, but it's worth saving your time. Our House on ITV. So this is an adaptation of a book by a woman whose name I have forgotten. Doesn't really matter because this is a programme. And it stars Tuppence Middleton, who nearly won most frequently mentioned actress award a year ago or so. She is married to Martin Comston of Line of Duty fame, who's sporting his real Scottish accent in this. And basically she comes home one day and finds that a house has been sold and people are moving in. And it's all uncovering the mystery of what exactly is going down here. Is a husband doing her over? Is there more to this? Is he being coerced into it? We don't really know. That's the mystery. The problem is it's not that mysterious and it's not very good. Um, so I'm just going to leave it there. Skip it. Our house. Wow. Okay. That's the quickest review you've ever done. Yeah. Is Tuppence Tuppen Middleton good in it? Almost the most mentioned actress of last year. She's good in it. It's just... Not a very engaging story, so she's not got a lot to work with, really. But, yeah, she's fine. Okay. What else have you been watching? Deep Water, which kept me up until 3am in the morning. It's a new erotic thriller on Amazon Prime that stars Ben Affleck and Anna Diarmas. And this is directed by Adrian Lynn. This is the bloke who brought us such films as Unfaithful. Indecent Proposal, Fatal Attraction, Nine and a Half Weeks. He's obsessed with sex and shagging by the sense of it. Um, and he's had like a 20-year hiatus, not the two weeks that we had. Do you know what I mean? We're dedicated. Um, and he's come back and I thought, oh, there must be something special about this. Well, I've seen it now. I, d I don't know specifically what it was that dragged him back out of retirement. It's pretty bog standard as a drama. And it's about this complex marriage between Ben Affleck and Anna Diarmas. But that doesn't mean it's bad. It's just familiar. You've seen it before. If you're a regular consumer of the Daily Mail and it's lies, you might recall that there was some buzz around this about 18 months ago when it turned out that Affleck and Diarmas started seeing each other in real life. And then that all went quite wrong and it's just been dumped on Amazon Prime. And I would imagine that their publicists have kind of just said, can we just sweep it under the rug? This is going to piss Jello off a bit. So, yeah, it's just arrived, and it is what it is. And the, the crack is Ben Affleck's wife is cheating on him. She makes no attempt to hide this, even going to the level of, like, flaunting all of her new boyfriends in front of not just him, but their friends and family at these various parties and get-togethers. 
and it's even accepted by the wider circle of friends that oh she's just like this what was she like eh um which is a bit weird and all the while ben affleck's just meant to suck it up and deal with it and on the surface he seems very forgiving of his wife and what she's doing he, he doesn't like that it's happening that much is clear but he loves her and it's implied that he accepts it to some degree but as you might have guessed trouble is brewing there's a bit more to it than that he's probably not quite as okay as first appears and maybe he's got a habit of murdering her lovers so that causes a bit of friction and that's kind of it in a nutshell and what this really made me think is that there should be a new variation on relationship statuses on Facebook, one that reads married and it's complicated. And like cuckolding or wife swapping, whatever you want to call it, it's, it's not an unusual concept. A lot of people are into it and I'm not going to kink shame anyone if that's your thing. But this is completely alien and non-vanilla to me. So I enjoyed getting some insight into something that I'm never going to know. There was some sort of morbid interest in it. One thing I will say, this film did something I never thought possible and it made me actively hate Anna Diamas. She is repulsive to me in this film. She treats Ben Affleck like complete and utter shit. And there's, there's so much contempt for him, like flaunting all these furs in front of his face. She's really, really hard to like. But for me, all that did is reaffirm the fact that she is a very, very good actress. And I do genuinely believe that in this. And Ben Affleck's not too bad either. He's uh, He delivers the goods. So, yeah, it's not done very well, this, critically. It's got it's floating around 5 out of 10 on IMDb at the moment, but I didn't think it was anywhere near that bad. Um, just don't be expecting a fully rounded story with answers to all your outstanding questions. It's more of a, like, here's an exploration of a marriage and I guess its message at the end of it is, yeah, people are just very messed up, aren't they? So, yeah, what's that? 16-year age gap between Anna de Armas and Ben Affleck. Yeah, you can tell. Yeah. I did think about watching it, but That's... I didn't, obviously. There was another film, another Amazon Prime film with Ben Affleck that he directed, I think. Mm. I can't remember the name of it now. It's got a car as the front cover, hasn't it? The, the Tender Bar. That was the one. Also not watched, we not? George Clooney directs it. That was why I was thinking of watching it. All oh, right, I, I had been made aware of that, but it's kind of flew under my radar. Is it supposed to be good? Fifty-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So not really. Mm, no. Have you watched anything else? Last one from one messed up relationship to another. It's Bad Vegan on Netflix. So I didn't. I didn't know anything about this story other than it's got vegan in the title and it's about a woman who owns a pretty famous vegan restaurant. And it also has the tagline, fame, fraud, fugitives. So immediately I jumped to, this is going to be about them duping their customers and serving them meat and claiming that the food is vegan friendly. And it's not about that at all. Uh, it's basically another Tinder swindler, the puppet master type of deal. Good old, reliably deceptive men manipulating women into making horrific decisions and ruining their lives, because that's what we do. And the victim is Sarah Mangalis, who I've never been made aware of before. She owns this chain of well-regarded restaurants, meets a guy on Twitter, 
and gets sucked in to his web of lies. She ends up sending ridiculous amounts of money to him, thousands and thousands of dollars, all for reasons that are completely vague. And it's kind of ruin a bit of it for you, but it won't ruin the whole thing. The crux of why she went along with sending him millions of dollars and bent to him his every whim is on the promise of eternal life for both her and her dog, which is weird. And the thing that made this worth watching, for me anyway, is that his lies, the guy who's duped her, the so unbelievably out there that I did find myself just wanting to know when is the penny going to drop for that this guy isn't the real deal because there's just so many red flags. And he just peddles so much rubbish about secret organisations and higher powers and the fact that he's not human. It does kind of beg a belief that she stuck it through anyway only four episodes it's not the most riveting documentary i've seen but i guess it's another warning sign for people to you know just be on the lookout for these scam artists and here's some patterns that you might be able to recognize so yeah maybe worthwhile for that reason so this the man scams this woman one woman yes which subsequently has knock-on effects to the rest of the people who work for her because she's draining her business out of cash. Right. can't pay her staff, so, yeah. Okay. So four episodes, one hour each? Roughly, yeah. They vary in length between 45 and minutes and an hour. Okay. Yeah, it's a trend, isn't it? It's a trend. Scam. Scam documentaries. Or scam. Scam dramatisations like Inventing Anna. Yeah, it would appear that everyone's kind of a bit fed up with murder in the crime documentary realm, so they just want something a bit different. So it looks like we've gone for fraud. Yeah, there was you've you've um, opened the door for me to talk about another one that's on BBC iPlayer, uh, Bell Gibson. Bell Gibson. Yeah, Bell. Yeah, <laughs> Bell Gibson, bad influencer, the great Instacon, which is about a woman, Bell Gibson, who pretended to have brain cancer and claimed that she was treating herself with a miraculous uh, diet. Oh, I started this, but did not finish it. Um, and not because I was, you know, not interested. I just think I forgot about it. Is it good? It's, it was really good. And the interesting thing is that it's only 44 minutes long, but it blasts through the whole story. You get all the information. You learn everything you need to know. 44 minutes, interviews with the key people, archive footage, done. And there are moments in it where you think, oh, you could turn that into one hour of a, an episode like there's this passing reference to how bell always lied in school and there's, there's one image of her in school and you think right you've made your point move on whereas if this was a netflix drama you'd have a whole hour of her in school flashback yeah. to her in school being a liar i'm not gonna lie i think it could have been condensed to 90 minutes um but it's one of them they make it appealing enough or, or fluffy enough for you to just go along with it so i, I wasn't offended but yeah, they could have cut it down. Yeah. Got to justify that price increase. Yeah, yeah. Beep. Well annoyed about that. And they're cutting down on sharing accounts within different households now, aren't they? So I'm screwed. In fact, no, I'm not screwed. Everyone else who sponges off me, they're screwed. Some of you even listen. So a word of warning. Not got it for too yeah. much longer. Dad. Is this, is this real news? Should we just do real news jingle there? It's the real thing. It is now real, real news, news. But how do they know Netflix? This is Netflix 
they'll what they'll charge you or they'll ban you from sharing your account with other people. How do they know that it's different location? Well, they do it off your IP address, don't they? Okay, so they just block. They'll just cut off different IP addresses. That's. Do you know what you've raised a very good point there? Because say I go on a Lake District getaway and they've got a TV, I can sign into it. I can use my Netflix account. Maybe it's concurrent usage. Yeah. Uh, which I can understand. So as I said, my, my my dear Pops, he is completely screwed. So get your Same. own. Same. Yeah. But I, I got the impression, that we're flying blind here, but I got the impression that you'd have to self-declare that you were sharing your account in order to be punished for it. <laughs> well, no, that's completely pointless. <laughs> that's not going to work, Netflix. Guess what? You've proven it with your own documentaries. People aren't honest. And I'm going to yeah. tell you. Yeah. Or they'll say, are you really in the same house as this person? Like how, like how Spotify has. Please be in the same house as the six people that share this family account. Oh, do, they, do you have to be in the same household? Yeah, that's what it says, yeah. Wow. Okay, I've got two work colleagues who have Spotify accounts from me. So uh, hopefully they don't get a little more rigid with their uh, security. But yeah, it's not good. It's not good. And because I'm an ass and I've bought myself an OLED TV, I've just got to have that 4K subscription as well. So I think I'm up mm. to $15.99 or something stupid. Jesus. Yeah. I'm on $10.99. It's where it's at. It's the sweet it's, spot. It, yeah. It's, just, it's too much. This is where this is goes back to the conversation about how combining all these different services costs too much now and you have to choose just one. Yeah. Is it even worth it? I know, and obviously they've got to make up for that shortfall of uh, subscriptions that they didn't get because uh, they're still doing very well, aren't they? But they just didn't grow uh, as much as they anticipated. But guess what? We're having to pay through the nose for gas and electricity at the minute. We don't need this. And I know this is a film and TV podcast, but I went to switch my gas and electricity the other day. <laughs> and it said it was going to go up from £140 to £454 a month for me to switch to a fixed contract. That is unbelievable. I won't have Netflix anymore if that happens. Yeah. What has it come to? What the... Ugh. Anyway. But still watch the content and, you know, um, listen to podcasts that talk about the content. Oh, indeed. Yeah, <laughs> don't, yeah, don't give up on watching that. New content, it's got to come to an end someday. This can't last. I completely agree, but it's probably a very good segue to just let our listeners know we are going behind a pair wall. <laughs> that was what the last two weeks were. We were figuring out the pricing structure. Um, we're going to be on a premium podcast platform soon at the price of $7.99 a month. Thank you very much for your dedication. It's not true. That's not yet. Yeah, it's not true. What else happened? The BAFTAs happened. I feel like we talk about awards every week. Don't want to go through all the awards, but the, the UK BAFTAs happened, presented by Rebel Wilson. I'm guessing you didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. I can't even tell you who won, <laughs> but I do know that Rebel Wilson absolutely bombed as a host and has been accused of, well, some pretty outrageous stuff, really. Yeah, bringing BAFTA into disrepute. There was an article in the BBC before she hosted that said, can Rebel Wilson save the award season? And obviously 
this BAFTA award has happened while other much, 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 much more important things happen in the world. And it just shows that these award seasons are completely meaningless. But Rebel Wilson still went out there, did some jokes, and there were moments in it where I think she knew she was bombing. There was mm. a skit where she brought out a birthday cake, a 75th anniversary birthday cake for BAFTA. And she revealed it, and it was a Benedict Cumberbatch's face cake. And she said, oh, no, that's my personal cake that I've ordered. has been a mistake. And she did this whole bit in front of Benedict Cumberbatch and Andy Serkis. And it wasn't funny. It didn't work. And at the end, Pepper Wilson just sort of pushed this cake away, shook her head, and it was like she knew it wasn't working. And we just carried on anyway. And it was, it was like that a lot of the time. Friend of the show, Amelia, I don't even know her name, the one from Calder. Emily Jones. Jones, yeah. She sang uh, the end song from Calder live. Oh, did she? Yeah, that was the highlight. And she had two people signing it behind her. So that was the highlight of the whole thing. I didn't realise, sorry, this wasn't actually, we're just having free-flowing conversation, real news this week. <laughs> so the mum, who the woman who plays the mum, of Amelia Jones in Coda. I don't know her name. Have you heard about all this stuff with William Hurt, who tragically passed away last week, that concerns her? Mar- Ma- Marley Matlin. Yes. Name. No, I've not heard this. So not to speak ill of the dead, but that's the trend of the internet at the moment. Very sad times. William Hurt, great actor, done some amazing work. He passed away at the age of 71 due to cancer. And then straight out of the woodwork comes people saying... Do you know what? Great actor, bit of a bastard, though. And it turned out that in 2017, Marley Matlin? Oh, yep. Yep. She wrote a biography that basically accused him of rape and said he was a pretty abusive guy and because they were together for quite a while. He also had a go at her when she won Best Actress Oscar and said, what have you done to deserve this? You've done one film. Rude. Um, yeah, turns out, not a, not a nice guy. And she was questioned about him at an event, might have even been the BAFTAs, and she was very diplomatic, didn't address it. And obviously, he's dead now, not fair to talk about that. This has been on other news sources, so we are safe to talk about it. Um, He came out and addressed it, never denied it. So there you go. I'm only saying what is publicly available to you. But I didn't even know that was a thing. There you go. Woman from Corda, William Hurt, sex partner, accused him of rape. There you go. Sadly died, though. Okay. Sorry, I just kind of got really worried about everything I was saying and just went off on a mad rant, so sorry about that. Hopefully it made sense. Yep. Belfast won Best British Film, so do you admit that you're on the wrong side of history? I admit that people are stupid. Okay, that's fine. No, do you know what? The more that I think about that, I was too harsh. It is a decent film. I just was a bit bored by it. I can understand why people are giving it praise that they did. Um, still don't agree, but whatever. Uh, what were the other big hitters on the night? The Power of the Dog won okay. Best Film. Jane Campion, Best Director. Who managed to throw shit at the Venus. The, the Williams sisters, I believe. Yeah, um, not not at that event, though. When, when the, I'm guessing it was the producer went up to accept it, she said, Jane Campion can't be with us. And it made it sound like she was dead, but she's not dead. <laughs> But it was it was very it wasn't worded in quite the right way. But yeah, power of the dog was a big winner, I think. 
deserved. Which, Very good. Which, granted, not that long ago, a mere few weeks, but my memory's terrible. You liked, but had you seen it last year, wouldn't have put it in your top 10. So you liked it, but not that much. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I liked it, but not one of my personal favourites of the year, I would have said. Okay. Still, though, I think, given the hype and uh, recognition it's getting, I will make my way to it at some point. Well, I think that covers it off for real news. It's completely unplanned section with literally no research, but we've winged it, and I think that will suffice. On to the big event, it may seem. Flap your wings, James, because of, you know, the Batman. Yep. Hello, I'd like to order an opinion, please. This film is new, fresh point of view. Hold me sit back, this is a fact. We in the aisles, here are some aisles. Thoughts in sync, tell you what to think. I'll listen to you. This week's main review is The Batman. Fear is a tool. But when that light hits the sky, it's not just a call. It's a warning. before you've nothing left. I don't care what happens to me. It's only gonna get worse for you. Whoa, take it easy, sweetheart. Hear everything they say, ain't you? Maybe we're not so different. Who are you under there? Batman ventures into Gotham City's underworld when a sadistic killer leaves behind a trail of cryptic clues. As the evidence begins to lead closer to home and the scale of the perpetrator's plans become clear, he must forge new relationships, unmask the culprit and bring justice to the abuse of power and corruption that has long plagued the metropolis. Sorry, my head went so many directions there. I was like, I get what you mean by Metropolis. It's not your plot synopsis. You're reading off the internet, but I was like, isn't Superman Metropolis and Batman's yeah. Gotham? But I get it. I get it. Fair yeah, enough. like they can't just reuse Gotham again at the end of the sentence. Weird. Anyway, more to the point, James, I can't wait to find out. What did you think of The Batman? The first Batman film I watched in the cinema was Batman Forever in 1995. I've been watching Batman films for 27 years. Non-stop. Non-stop. That's why you had nothing for your watch list this week. So maybe that's why I wasn't too excited about this. Do I really need another Batman film in my life? I thought to myself, especially when there's no way that anything can beat. The Dark Knight. I didn't have low expectations. I had high expectations because of the hype, but I didn't have a personal level of excitement. That being said, I was not disappointed by this film. The serial killer investigation plot was something new. It was Batman as 
a detective more than a fighter. The wider criminal conspiracy and how everything tied together was very well done. And the complexity of that plot felt new as well. It was more like a crime film that had a character called Batman in it than the Batman film. And it worked really well. It didn't feel like three hours by some miracle. I don't know how. Maybe because it always looked good. There was always something interesting being said or done. And there was always that urgency of will the Riddler kill again? Speaking of it looking good, this is maybe the best presentation of Gotham City since Batman Begins. A developed modern city that's also a very bad place to live. That doesn't look like anywhere else that you've seen in The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. It's just Chicago and New York, but it's a unique city in The Batman. Robert Pattinson as Batman is the surprise of the century. Yes, he's very good. Excellent. But I want to talk about his Bruce Wayne. I think what they've decided is let's not try to make him into a playboy like previous versions. Let's follow through on how someone would behave if they were spending all night, every night, punching people to death. Probably not a very approachable person. And I really liked that a lot. That, again, was something new. Zoe Kravitz would steal the show if she was in the film more. She drops in and out, which is fine. A fully formed, complex character. I'll be disappointed if she's not in the sequel. I think this is way better than Anne Hathaway. Michelle Pfeiffer is, is the classic one, but it's kind of before our time. So this might this is the definitive Catwoman on screen in my generation, I would say. Really good. I really like the fighting style of the Batman. I liked that he, he was, he's obviously trained somehow, but he doesn't seem like he has the formal martial arts training of Christian Bale's Batman. He just has armor on, so he's going to walk towards you and punch you. And I really liked that. There was just two scenes where Batman just grabs someone's weapon off them and starts hitting people with it. It's just it's so raw and spontaneous. I really like that. I'm going to bring it down a little bit when we go into free talk. But for now, I don't have much negative to say. This this lived up to the hype. I feel a bit better now. Um, and I'm probably going to reveal where I'm going with this. But I just thought you hated it. I don't know why. So... Good, good to know that that's where you're at. Um, for reasons that you've just mentioned, we did a section on most anticipated films. It made my list. It didn't make yours. And I, I can see why. So looking forward to it quite a bit. And, you know, when, when has a film lived up to expectations in recent memory? Not often. So I went into this knowing that, you know, really positive critical reception, but also with a bit of to just play into the film's theme fear because a lot of people at my work hate this film and say that it's downright awful so and they watched it before me and I thought oh god what am I letting myself in for here it could go either way um and I didn't know who I was going to side with but I'm not going to build up to it I'll cut to the chase that this is everything everything that I wanted from a Batman film and one and a half hours more I walked out of this film and I text one of the guys from work who hated it saying, the Batman is effing incredible. What film did you see? To which he said, I presume you've got mistaken and just watched The Dark Knight because it is awful. Um, but I, I think this interpretation of Batman that we've got here and, and how it 
seriously commits to it, it it's going to alienate a lot of people. And a fine example of that is the whole row behind me hated this film. They walked out and they were slagging it off going, I've never been so bored in my life. That was awful. What have they done to Batman? So I do think it's a bit more polarising than the reviews are suggesting because I'm just hearing... I think I've heard one person who said they actually like this film and I don't get it. And that person's not you, actually, so it's two now. Um, yeah, so not going to be everyone's cup of tea. A lot of people have made comparisons to this and the David Fincher classic Seven, and I get that. It definitely has that sort of tone to it, and even some of the elements of the story mirror it a, a bit. And because of that, and you've you've already said, it's not your normal superhero film. The majority of it is like this stripped-back crime thriller. And then you've got, again, you pointed out, the representation of Gotham. It's, it's murky, it's depressing. It feels dirty, and the mood of the film really accentuates that. There's, there's just no hope at the start of this film. It's just all very bleak and serious, and they don't let up with it. And it's as if, like, visually and tonally, they've not hammered that home enough, so let's let Robert Pattinson's performance just further solidify that. He's not a happy bunny or a bat, whatever. He's not just vengeance. He's just melancholy all over and I think I've heard a few reviews say that it's like emo Batman, and I completely agree. And it's like, aside from seeing him kick ass and work his way through the mystery, I can't say I'd want to go out for a drink with the bloke. He's, he's a complete killjoy. You will not see a smile even creep across his face in this film. And I think that's, it would be like an acceptable criticism to say he's just too brooding and too one-dimensional as a character, but I do think it's completely in keeping with this interpretation of Batman and what he represents. It, it does look incredible. Some shots in this are absolutely stunning. And I don't, I don't know what to say besides that. They're just images that I feel like I've screenshotted in my head and they keep playing over and over again. In terms of the storyline, I'm keeping it vague because I loved witnessing this without knowing where it was going and completely being in awe of how far they pushed the darkness of this character. This is the Batman that I wanted Nolan's films to become. And I'm not taking anything away from that trilogy, but this is full-on Batman for adults. And to be fair, I don't think this film would exist and have done what it does or attempted to do what it does if it wasn't for what Nolan did. He obviously leaned into a lot of the darker side of this character and removed the sort of, you know, comic booky superhero feel. And you can feel that influence in it, but... In terms of like grounding it in reality and making it great, this dials it up to 11, um, which again, as I say, it's not for everyone, but I was completely on board with it. I haven't talked about the villains. I was, we can speak more generally. I'll just end by saying I didn't know what they could do with this character after what Nolan did with it and buy me a, a ticket for day one for a sequel because this defied some pretty lofty expectations for me. I was blown away. Very good. All I'll say is that it did seem at times to be a mix between or a remix of Batman Begins and The Dark Knight combined together. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Killing government officials, who's next kind of plot, filming a killing in shaky cam that's then shown on the news to the shock of the public. Orange 
smoky Gotham, very much like Batman Begins. Catwoman on a bike and um, the grounded approach to the mm. costume, trying to make the costume as, as real as possible. Like, if this actor existed, what, what would it be like? And the ending being a sudden and massive escalation of the criminal's activity. But yeah. Suddenly, it affects this is comparing to Batman Begins. Suddenly, the whole city is at risk and the whole city is exploding. And it's a mad rush to save the whole city when up to that point it was all pretty, pretty small scale stuff. Which is, it's, it was still good, but I did feel like, like I said at the start, how many more times can I watch a Batman film in my life? No, I, I completely get where you're coming from. And I'm, I'm not even denying that. I think that was kind of what I was trying to say. There's, there's a lot of Nick nabbing and borrowing from a lot of what came before, but I feel like this is the culmination of, of the best possible bits. This, this is what I wanted in the end from all the things that I found successful in the other iterations of it. Because like, I've liked them all. Burton's Batman. Schumacher's Batman, even, which was campy as hell. I still loved it <laughs> as, yeah. as a teenager. But this just, for, for me at this point in my life, because I, I need a Batman film at this point in my life. But I mean, it felt right for me now as a 36-year-old going, this is the Batman for me. Um, but I'm not denying that it's... He, Matt Reeves would never have achieved this were it not for what came before at all. On yeah. his own. So Yeah. I've been really positive. I've, I just want to mention a few complaints because it's not it's not a flawless film. It's not by any means. I looked at my watch during this film more than I ever have in a film, and it was more out of a just curiosity. What time is it? But then going, there can't be two hours left. There can't be. And then another half an hour later, going, no, surely not. Let's too much has happened. There can't be another hour and a half left. It's too, it's too long. It is too long, I thought. It's not boring, but it was too long. I, it needed a bit of trimming, I think. But they do try and shove too much in. Um, but I don't think you had that complaint. You said it kind of went by at a good pace for you. Yeah, it did go by. I don't know how, but it did, I think, because I was, I was enjoying, like you've said, there's always so much to look at. It's mm. always just nice to look at that. I think that distracted me and... Maybe they've, maybe they've left it long because it is so dense. There's so much going on that if they trimmed it down, it would be overwhelming and you wouldn't pick up everything. So it, it slows down or maybe has long scenes so that you can take in all the information before they do another massive exposition dump where one person says, here's this huge secret history of this character that I'm going to split out to you. Yeah. No, that's that's the fair point. I think you're right. But it just... I mean, going watching this at half nine at night on a Friday after I've not had the greatest sleep all week probably played into that a bit, thinking I could do with being in bed, uh, but still enjoyed it nonetheless. Another complaint, want, really want to know what you think about this. The score, really, really effective, but very, very repetitive. I feel like I just heard the same motif for three hours. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Agree. Yeah. Fully agree. They, they overuse that Batman theme. Yeah. It's like that's the only music. And it's a bit got. basic as well. Yeah, it is. It it's, it's, would be good if, it, if they did it at certain points, like they do in the Christopher Nolan films, mm. but it's constant. Yeah. There was another complaint, but I'll leave it to spoilers because it's spoilerific. But speaking of that, 
Every, if you're a regular listener, you'll know I don't watch trailers. It's this stance that I've taken. But with the Batman, I, I couldn't contain my excitement and my curiosity. I thought, I've got to see what this is. If you have managed to not do that, please stay that way until you've seen the film. This confirmed for me why I hate trailers. There's key moments and scenes which are completely spoiled and they don't happen until an hour and a half in the film. So if you've seen the, I mean, I'm not going to say specifically what it is, but car chase, penguin, that scene is amazing, or bits of it are anyway. If you've seen the trailer, not going to have an impact on you because you know exactly 10 minutes later where that scene ends up and it really, really riled me up. I was like, I just don't get it. I don't get why they put key moments like that in. So hang on, had you seen the trailer or not before you watched it? I had, but it, like out of character, I just I just couldn't yeah. deal with not knowing what this would look like. So I thought, oh, yeah. go on. You're right. That's that car chase scene. They, they have the final, they have the end of that chase in this trailer. Yeah. <laughs> the big moment, the huge moment of that chase is in the trailer. And th- there's another bit as well where there's some tension. Oh, there's an empty lift. What's going to happen? Well, if you're in the middle of the film and you, you haven't seen the trailer, you'll be caught up in that moment. But if you have, you'll be like, well, I know where this is going to end up. It's just, I know that's like by design. If you've seen the trailer, you have seen bits of the film. But these were moments of like, that should have had like real dramatic weight and impact. And I was just like, me, not on me, because I know what's going to happen. I just feel mm. like they chose to show the wrong things. But that's that's what they do. Despite all that negativity that you've just given us daniel would you recommend the batman i was going to say reservedly yes it's not i 100 love this film but i think people will be disappointed by this approach so yes but if you disagree with me i understand why james what about you yes i would recommend it but go to an earlier showing because it's three hours long bang on an extra 30 minutes for trailers as well so quite a feat right let's get to spoilers bruce willis real name is tyler durden sank at the end oh thanks a lot spoilers i'm not sure how to summarize this because i don't want to get into all the details of the revelations that go on so riddler's killing people because he wants to expose a criminal conspiracy riddler's eventually caught the criminal conspiracy is that there was a drug bust years ago where the Gotham police brought down Moroni's operation, but it's revealed that Falcone was an informant who helped that operation happen. But after that huge drug bust, Falcone took over Moroni's operation and said to the police, let's work together. You take the credit for taking down the Moroni, but... I'm going to resume the drug operation and I'll cut you into it and we can all be rich. So the whole, the Falcone and the police and the, is it the mayor or the DA? They're all in this new like criminal enterprise together, all profiting off it. And that's what the Riddler wants to expose. And that's what the Batman eventually discovers. Is that right? Yeah. A top of your head, off the top of your head again though. Yeah. Defy all logic and reason. Okay, they're nicely done. Yeah, I think that was fair to say. But then the climax, like I was saying before, the, the climax is that the Riddler inspires, and this is what I really, really liked, the Riddler inspires other incel losers to dress up as him 
and like attack the is it the new mayor yes and they all plant bombs around the city those bombs go off and that creates a citywide panic and flooding that batman has to resolve somehow i don't really know what he he doesn't i don't think he actually does anything to fix the flooding or the explosions no. he just he helps about 10 people walk from one place to another place and that <laughs> he saves the day doing that he deals with the with the fallout doesn't he yeah um, but it is quite good how you get batman at the end he like you said he literally he doesn't do it do anything to solve that other than helping people but it kind of is his character arc in a way in that he's literally just used to beating the absolute shit out of people and that is his way of solving problems and then at the end it's like that won't get me through to the end but that won't help achieve this end goal that i'm after i have to do the other side just naturally not doing the violence and helping people which is where the character ends up ultimately which i liked a lot yes i like that as well he's not just vengeance he's hope as well yeah so i think both of us didn't really talk about it but what was your whole thoughts on the riddler and paul dano's performance as the riddler did you like it i liked it a lot it was brilliant it was very good it must have been hard for him to not be jim carrey or heath ledger and just do his own thing and i think it's achieved by not showing his face yeah for most of it and the angle the angle they take on it which is they make him I use this word incel because I've seen it used somewhere else where that's the angle they've taken right? that he's this lonely man of the internet age who's lashing out at the mm. world and I think it works really well and then when he's captured and he's a very pathetic figure after yeah. he's unmasked he's a completely normal sad person that unlike say the Joker where when, you, when he gets captured he's still got all of his power when the riddler's captured he's he's just he's nothing he's nothing yeah. what did you think i i loved it the only thing that's lingered with me ever since is somebody said imagine if you didn't know who played him and when it's revealed in the film when he's in that cafe that would be a lot more shocking than it actually is because and obviously i'm talking about film enthusiasts here if you get involved in the hype up to a film you know who's playing certain people and blah 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 um so i knew that was coming but imagine the impact of that if you just didn't because i would never have known that was paul dano i think it would have been good to just not tell us that and have it as a bit of a because it is just chalk and cheese isn't it you've got this really intimidating guy who's like oh my god he is psychotic and i'm scared of him because i'm going to be honest that opening scene where he murders his first victim, that is scarier than any horror film I've seen like in ages. Yeah. It's genuinely creepy. And to have that sort of suspense and be like, <gasps> and then the reveal of, oh, he's quite a timid-looking, feeble guy, really, would have been really like, oh. Um, but unfortunately, that wasn't how it was. But it, does, it doesn't dim what, what happens or the effects. I still thought it was quite well done. I uh, just wish I hadn't known. Mm. Can I make my obligatory anime comparison for this episode? Please do. So the thing that I really liked that I was mentioning before, it wasn't the explosions around the city. It was that other men 
dressed up as the Riddler and copied him. There's an episode of Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex Season 1 where the, the main villain called the Laughing Man, he incites people to attack some guy, like the, commission, the police commissioner or something. And there is a scene where the you know an attack is going to take place and the police commissioner has to be escorted outside. But as he's being escorted outside by by uh, Major Kusnagi, you have all these different random people saying like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill the commissioner. And you don't know where the attack is going to come from because it's not just one, it's not just the laughing man. It's the laughing, it's the people that are inspired by the laughing man that creates this threat that could just come from anywhere. Yeah. That's the power of the laughing man. And that's the power of the Riddler that he's inspired strangers to do his work for him. So yeah, the very similar to Ghost in the Shell, standalone complex. I'm not saying they copied it, but it did remind <laughs> me of that. And that's why, and that's why I liked it. That that bit where you see them all standing there lined up and you realize what the Riddler's achieved. Really, really good. Really good. Yeah. And do you know, I, w- I wouldn't put it past him because I think we've kind of, or I did at least, insinuated that Matt Reeves, you're a bit of a thief, um, but a good one, <laughs> which is ironic because I, I hate Quentin Tarantino for this very reason and that I just feel like he steals from everyone else and everyone hails him as a god. But yeah. this is sort of, well, it's Batman, isn't it? So I'm more forgiving. Let's just cut to the <laughs> Um Nitpick time, right? This is so grounded in reality that I hate the aftermath of violence in terms of it being visible on characters. So we have a bit where a bomb blows up in Batman's face, his bare chin, and everything like literally there, nothing there, not a scratch, nothing. That annoyed me a bit. Yeah. I thought you can't commit so much to this. Ooh, it's very real, isn't it? And then have that annoyed me. And then there's another thing in the wingsuit where he like takes the biggest battering I've ever seen from just hitting the ground and you feel that force when it happens. And yeah. then it hurt, but he's all right. Yeah, he flies right into a bridge, I think, like a steel bridge. <laughs> Falls down and it's fine. Yeah, I noticed that about the bomb. I did think his chin will not survive that. They could, have just, they could have had him just turn away, just take a few steps away and turn his back. That would have been fine. Exactly. It was... But he could takes have... it straight to the face. Yeah. No, it's rubbing it up the wrong way, that. What did you make of the Thomas Wayne stuff? So this is where it got a little bit more complicated, that you had the criminal conspiracy in the past that involved Falcone, Moroni. Yeah. But then you also had, oh, Thomas Wayne wanted to hide that his wife had some problems. So he paid Moroni to threaten the journalist, but then they killed the journalist instead. So then Thomas Wayne got guilty. He was going to go to the police and expose Moroni, but then Falcone got someone to kill the Wayne parents. Yeah. I'm I'm using like Falcone and Moroni interchangeably. I don't know which one was which, but that that happened as well. I liked that, but that was when things were just on the verge of getting a little bit too complicated, and there was too much explanation of things that happened in the distant past. There was, but 
but I really liked it. But I didn't like the fact that they kind of pulled the rug from beneath us by going, oh, we're going to do something really out there and present the Wayne family as like corrupt and evil. And then within a few minutes, that changes. And it's like, oh, no, it wasn't as bad as you thought. This is why he did this. And he didn't know it was going to get to that level. I actually wish they'd gone whole hog and just gone, everything you believe was a lie. Like the whole honour and sort of reputation that your father had, he wasn't that person. Like I wish they'd just committed to that because it literally has changed within minutes. And it's a bit like, eh, just pick what you want to do. It annoyed me a bit. Uh, but I did like it as a plot point. Just didn't like what they did with it. It was good that Batman was, that Bruce Wayne was involved in some way. He ended up having a personal reason to be involved. He did, but the other thing that I didn't quite like was up until that point, he's still a sadistic madman, the Riddler, but he's actually targeting people who are corrupt and they've contributed to Gotham being how it is. And to me, Bruce Wayne can't be held accountable for his father's. I know it's the sins of the fathers and all that, but he didn't do that himself. He's an innocent bystander who's just guilty by association. And I thought that was a bit of a change for the Riddler's motivations that I didn't... I went with because I thought I can see it, but it didn't marry up with everything that came before it because those people were directly accountable. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a really good point. The film's starting to fall apart now, isn't it? The more we talk about it. Yeah, let's not do that. (laughs) Uh, In fact, no, I've said that, but I'm going to say something else that annoyed me. What was your opinion of the... uh, Fan service here. Oh, here's another villain for the next film. I hated it. I wasn't into it. Wasn't into it. Especially because, again, they teased the Joker at the end of Batman Begins. And when they started talking, I was just saying, no, no, no. Do not <laughs> do not laugh. Do not say that this is a joke. <clears throat> and then when he said clown, I just I started shaking my head. No, you've done it again. I, I was of the same mindset, but it might be denial on my behalf. I thought, he said clown, that doesn't mean Joker. And it went on and I thought, have they made it vague enough that it's not implied that it's the Joker? But you're right, there's that cackle. It's definitely the Joker, isn't it? There's no bones about it. So, yeah, yeah. no, I could have done without that. Which is a shame, considering everything that had gone before. Yeah. They have to tease a villain. But it didn't the... need it, though. It stands on its own two feet completely. Anyway. Why don't they have a a, uh, aged up Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker? That's the, that's the, that's the, what they need to do. That's what the, that's what the people want. Draw the whole thing together. (laughs) Yeah. An 80 year old decrepit Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. (laughs) Well, I've really enjoyed that picking it apart realising that everything positive that I said was actually false because I've got many complaints about it. But no, no, it's a really good film. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to be back, James. Yeah, good to be back. What we've not talked about is that Colin Farrell was unrecognisable, unrecognisable as the Penguin, which to me, I, I don't think that's that noteworthy. Like, yes, he has makeup. He's basically wearing a mask of another person. But what's the big deal? Yeah, but... It- it almost begs the question, why bother, doesn't it? Like, just... I didn't feel like his role was so significant or made that much difference that 
it needed like just hire a fat bloke. Yeah. Yeah. Not to say he wasn't good or the makeup's not good. It was, it was very convincing. But yeah. Anyway. It it is implied that we will see more of him in the sequel, I guess. Yes. Well, that's all I've got to say. Have you anything else? All I'll say is that I want to see Poison Ivy done again in modern times. And she has some sort of environmental activist gone wrong angle to it. That's what I want to see. Nice, yeah, that'd be good. Who would you have playing her? Go on, put you on the spot. Uh, Can't Greta say Zoe Thunberg. Kravitz. Greta Thunberg. <laughs> oh. Right, I put you on the spot once, I'm going to do it again, and you're not going to have an answer, and I'll cut this out. What we're reviewing next week? Next week, either Turning Red, Ambulance, Michael Bay film, or Dog, starring Channing Tatum. Not decided yet. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for listening. If you wish to follow us, you can do so at In The Isles Podcast on Instagram. You can leave us feedback, suggestions, abuse by emailing inthearsepodcast at gmail.com and leave us five-star review and rating. It does help. James, any parting words of wisdom? Is revenge truly worth it? Well, I used to think that revenge was a dish best served cold, but then I learned that it just meant getting back at somebody. (laughs) That is a joke from the Norm MacDonald podcast. That was me thinking, it's just just brilliant, James. Um, And you've nicked it. When... Sorry, Tom. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye. You were literally just like, I'm fucking going, I've had enough. Right, I'll leave it to it anyway. <laughs> <laughs>